0: This is District Sentinel Radio, it's the newscast of record for the left, I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight, and we're broadcasting out of Washington D.C., check out the website, it's districtsentinel.com, thanks for listening, this is the show we do for you, our subscribers, we got the garbage can coming out at the end of the show, do we have a file Follies this week? Mm, Taking this week off. Taking this week off. Let me be honest with the audience here for a second. I think we're both taking this week off a bit. <laughs> it's been a long week. It has been a long week. It's the week after a short week, because July 4th, you know, I only, yeah, you know, you only work half the week on 4th of July week. So you're back to a full week. It really drags on. Um... I'm particularly tired because in the off-season of the Premier League, I've taken to betting on golf like a real fucking sicko. And the tournament this week is in Scotland, so the tee times are at like 2.30 in the morning. So I've been waking up even earlier. It, it's bad. I'm down bad here. But um, So yeah, but we're dragging our ass to the recording studio. And we're going to put out a dang show. Even if it's not our finest performance. Shohei Otani doesn't go out there and pitch perfect games every time he pitches. He doesn't hit a home run at every at-bat. Sometimes he strikes out. Sometimes he hits a ground ball to the fucking pitcher. Okay? It happens. And this might be... This might be our sharp liner to third. Uh out but uh we're, we're gonna give it our best at
1: risk of uh sounding like a, a pickup artist douche I will say that
0: uh babe Ruth king of home runs king of strikeouts <laughs> yes yes he was hey speaking of all-time greats Lionel Messi he's just like me he shops at Publix yeah he's he's officially a Florida man. Man, I mean, I don't shop at Publix anymore because I don't live in Florida, but every time I see someone, whether it's Messi or Bolsonaro shopping at Publix, I get a little envious of my hometown grocery store, which I've yet to find a grocery store that's better. Safeway is fine. They're all the same. Mm, They're not
1: all the same. What makes Publix so special? A chicken
0: tender sub. Okay, shit. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, good luck to Lionel Messi and his days of good public subs. And probably pretty mediocre soccer. He's going to have the worst <laughs> team he's ever had around him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that
1: uh, I think he's there for the Apple stock, mostly. And to be a god in Miami as as opposed to um you know living in the desert
0: yeah i can uh, understand that less than a month to go till the premier league season starts so i can ditch my golf betting habit by then we'll see if i actually do all right let's get to the news it's national defense authorization act time the Legislation that has to be passed every year that sets policy for the Pentagon. And it's the first time in a bit that House Republicans are in charge of the process. And I think Kevin McCarthy's quote here best sums up what's, uh, what's on the agenda for Republicans as they pass the NDA this week.
1: Stop using taxpayer money to do their own wokeism. A military cannot defend themselves if you train them in woke. We don't want Disneyland to train our military. The fuck does that mean?
0: Well, it translates to a defense bill that's even bigger. Authorizes $886 billion for national defense programs. But also includes a bunch of amendments that target abortion rights, transgender rights, and... Wokeism in the military.
1: They're trying to uh, to keep all the bases named after Confederates, aren't they? This is this is the the new Republican Party, the uh, the party against the deep state, the party against the war machine.
0: Well, this party, this party against the war machine, couldn't muster up enough votes to. Stop the transfer of cluster munitions to Ukraine. Those actually have already arrived uh, to the battlefield. For anyone who's concerned about how long it might take for Ukraine to get their cluster munitions, they've got them. (laughs) That, that, That happened very quickly. Yes, things can happen fast. Like when you need to send a weapon that's banned by 100 countries around the world because it kills kids... The U.S. government can move very swiftly, and it has. But a couple Democrats, Congresswomen Sarah Jacobs and Ilhan Omar, introduced an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would have banned the transfer of cluster munitions to anywhere in the world. So even though it might be too late for Congress to stop their transfer to Ukraine this time, You know, they can pass a law that would ban transfer to any country. Weird thing happened, though, in the House Rules Committee, which is controlled by Republicans, is they defeated that amendment, killed that amendment, instead replaced it with one written by or sponsored by Marjorie Taylor Greene that applied only to Ukraine, that banned cluster munition transfers only to Ukraine, seemingly approving them. For other countries around the world. And since these munitions had already been transferred to Ukraine, what Republicans effectively did is took an amendment that would have done something, banned cluster munitions around the world, transfer of those around the world, to one that just does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. And even that amendment couldn't pass because they were busy passing all the anti-wokeism amendments. Hmm.
1: Ooh. Yeah. How how did Greenwald blame this on the Democrats? <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think he's tweeted much about it. I did check, though. I did. I was curious to see how he would report on uh, Republicans killing an amendment to ban cluster munitions around the world. Radio silence. Hmm. The uh, Republicans really, though, can't help but be and let me just be clear that we are attacking Republicans, but a majority of Democrats also voted to kill this weekend cluster munitions amendment. And it is a Democratic president who uh, authorized this initial transfer of cluster munitions to Ukraine. So uh, definitely blame on all sides here. Both parties still shit. But I do want to note that Republicans can't help but be reactionary freaks during this entire process. And even while they were debating these amendments that attack wokeism in the military, one of the Republican lawmakers, Rep. Eli Crane from Arizona, used the term colored people, uh, like, (laughs) non-ironically or... or, during during the debate, he had to have it stricken from the record and apologized for using it. But still, um interesting that that in the process of attacking woke ideology infecting our military, you reveal yourself as someone who perhaps could use a little wokeism, my dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just I'm glad that um democrats and republicans joined together uh to stop vladimir putin from attacking a sovereign nation uh by killing kids from that nation uh for decades into the future people say people will say well russia has used cluster bombs in ukraine and yes they have and the whole point of um The criticism of cluster bombs is based on if there are more of them, more children will die. The Ukrainian kids who are going to die from this in decades, it doesn't matter to them whether it was a Ukrainian bomblet or a Russian bomblet that detonated. So congrats to everyone. Uh, Pat yourselves on the back for that one.
0: The Senate will take up the NDAA next, and it's going to provoke a fight because I don't think that the, I don't think that the democratically controlled Senate, even with people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, are going to support some of these anti-trans, anti-abortion amendments that have been added to the NDAA. But Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is pushing for an amendment to declassify any UFO records. That the Pentagon has. Although there is a national security exception, which will probably be abused, but. Might get uh, some drip of some UFO documents. That's something that Republicans are interested in, too. So I can see this amendment surviving and ultimately being signed into law. Yeah, and hopefully. Uh,
1: the national security exemption will uh, piss off enough people on the inside that will get a, a giant leak. That proves definitively that UFOs exist, that intelligent life forms on other planets exist, and they can easily overpower the United States military. (laughs) That, That would make my day. Talk about a deus ex machina when you need one. In other news, one of the Biden administration's only decent appointments has been under attack this week. Head of the Federal Trade Commission, Lena Kahn, was in the crosshairs of big business, the Republican Party, and the federal judiciary. Starting with the latter, on Tuesday, Khan's FTC lost litigation in a district court in Northern California. The agency had been trying to stop Microsoft from acquiring Activision, the major video game producer. Part of the FTC's argument was based on Microsoft, which makes Xbox using Activision games like call of duty to get gamers to abandon other systems like Sony's PlayStation. But a federal judge rejected that argument saying quote, the FTC has not identified a single document, which contradicts Microsoft's publicly stated commitment to make call of duty available on PlayStation. Of course, uh, Company promises aren't worth the paper they're written on unless they're in legally binding contracts like collective bargaining agreements. Usually companies don't just leave a paper (laughs) record of them admitting to trying to break the law. Microsoft, by the way, as elder millennials might remember, was also a pioneer in using monopoly power to peddle inferior software using its grip on the PC market to give a leg up to the infamously shitty Microsoft Internet Explorer, which, if you use today, they fucking laugh at you. But Microsoft, they swear they won't do it again. Scout's honor, you you gotta believe us. To make matters even more bleak, the judge who issued the ruling, Jacqueline Scott Corley, is, like Khan, a Biden
0: appointee. is Judge Jacqueline unfamiliar with something called the profit motive? Yes, but is it in paper? Is it in writing? <laughs> it's probably in the fucking company's bylaws.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's in securities law that you have to maximize profit for shareholders. You got to try. Anyway, the FTC announced its intention to appeal the ruling Khan has also said in the past that she does expect to lose some of her battles against big business, but that defeats will show the need to change the law as fewer and fewer corporations exert greater amounts of control over the economy. But Republicans use the ruling to excoriate Khan at a hearing on Thursday, despite, as we alluded to earlier, claiming to be recent converts to populism. Jim Jordan, for example, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, has launched attack after attack on big tech for its alleged censorship of conservatives. But instead of sympathizing with the FTC on Thursday for its loss in a battle with big tech, Jordan told Khan, quote, her and her cronies have unchecked power over business practices in our country. One of Jordan's colleagues said that Republicans are preparing to cut the FTC's budget by 25 percent because of Khan's tenure unsurprisingly echoing a call made Thursday before the hearing by the most powerful corporate lobby in the country, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which called for Khan to, quote, reverse the agency's present course or otherwise expect Congress to rein in the FTC's budget. Naturally, reactionary opportunist worm Elon Musk dovetailed on the hate fest. This week, Twitter asked a judge to modify or strike down a settlement that the company reached with the FTC back in 2011. This was on safeguarding user information. Musk's Twitter argued that FTC oversight, quote, has spiraled out of control and become tainted by bias. Surely it's just a coincidence that Elon Musk launched an artificial intelligence company this week and that Khan's FTC also this week announced that it was investigating ChatGPT one of the companies at the heart of the ongoing artificial intelligence frenzy. And here was Khan at Thursday's hearing explaining the probe.
0: Some of the concerns that we're seeing in this AI space is that ChatGPT and some of these other services are being fed a huge trove of data. There are no checks on what type of data is being inserted into these companies. And we've heard about reports where people's sensitive information is showing up in response to an inquiry from somebody else. Uh, we've heard about you know libel, defamatory statements, flatly untrue things that are emerging. Um, that's the type of fraud and deception that we're concerned about.
1: Though this might not be relevant to Musk to be fair, he once got away with calling one of his critics a pedophile and he probably doesn't need to hide behind an algorithm to defame anyone without consequence. As a petulant,
0: slimy, lawyered up billionaire. It actually all makes sense if you're someone like Jim Jordan. You see, big tech is woke, and the FTC is also woke. And when the FTC uses its woke powers to go after woke big tech, it the 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 way that the Woke physics operate is that the wokeism is removed from big tech, so then they're victim again, and Jim Jordan can excoriate the FTC for for being too woke. Well, it makes sense
1: to me. Speaking of big tech, big tech and big banks, they're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting together. (laughs) JP Morgan is shaping up to be one of the companies most likely to become a real-life Skynet, the fictional company that will destroy the world if it isn't stopped by the Terminator, who was sent back in time by John Connor to save humanity. The largest bank in the country is proceeding to Phase 2 after emerging from the recent financial crisis with even more distance between it and its closest rival, this was thanks to the FDIC agreeing to sell JPM assets from First Republic, one of the three major tech focused banks that collapsed in the springtime. On Friday, JP Morgan reported that annual profit growth was up in the second quarter 67%, 67% on an annual basis. The day before that, JP Morgan reported that it had hired an executive from one of the other major banks to go kaput earlier this year, Silicon Valley Bank. John China previously served as SVB's as SVB Capital's president, and now he is joining JP Morgan uh, to work on emerging tech. Now, this is somewhat troubling when considering that Silicon Valley Bank dominated startup financing before its crash. JP Morgan is now dominating a segment of the market that could produce the next major monopolist, think Google or Facebook or Amazon. And it is doing so, not as some mid-range bank like Silicon Valley Bank was, but as the dominant firm in finance, by far, in the United States. Here's how the situation was described to the Financial Times by J.P. Morgan itself. Doug Petno, head of the bank's commercial banking division, said, quote, it's a very rare thing to have this monopolistic player go away overnight. We are open for business, and we believe we can be the end game winner. So I don't know what game he's talking about here. I don't want to fucking play it. I don't want to play it at all. <laughs> I will flip the board over, knock the pieces over. I don't care. Not my game. But whatever, whatever game they're playing... This is thanks to regulators under the Biden administration who took a look at the biggest bank in the country by far and thought, you know what? Mm, Not big enough.
0: It's been a while since too big to fail. It's it's taken on a completely different meaning to where you can be too bit like if if something happened to JP Morgan that would obviously collapse the entire global financial system it has achieved too big to fail status but because it can pass certain stress tests it's allowed yeah i mean it's
1: it it's almost too big to fail on its own merits just cuz it has so much money it doesn't know what to do with it so now it has you know it has plenty of reserves to weather a variety of storms
0: Well, if your metaphor turns out, then our savior will be someone who comes from the bowels of J.P. Morgan, Chase, to rescue us. Oh, is that man? It's been
1: so long since I saw T two.
0: Some quant that's working deep (laughs) inside. Is that what John Connor was? No, but the Terminator was a product of Skynet.
1: Right. But was wasn't jo- John Connor sent the Terminator back to protect himself? Is that what yes.
0: happened? Yes. Well well for I don't know, it depends which Terminator you're talking about because two, the good one. Yes. Two was sent back to protect John Connor from a Terminator that was sent to kill him. Yes, the T one thousand. Yes, so I'm just saying that, you know, if JP Morgan Skynet, there's going to have to be some Arnold Schwarzenegger banker or something. Hmm. Well, that's that's the dialectic for you. (laughs) All right, let's, uh, interns, bring out the garbage can oh man it's stinky oh dear oh wow oh man
1: (laughs) damn i forgot that as part of uh last year's ndaa we agreed to take all the uh all the, the nucle the all the toxic waste from from the army bases and uh, throw it in the garbage can. So whoever's going in today, you have that to look forward to.
0: Yeah, that's due to an amendment that we got passed several years ago. And in in a uh, t- I think it was the twenty sixteen NDAA we got an amendment there all the nuclear waste from submarines was transferred to the District Sentinel News Cooperative and provided to our interns to prep the garbage can Uh, they have protective equipment don't worry that's good thank you interns garbage candidate number one it's the hollywood studio executives great work guys you've managed to provoke both a writer's strike and an actor strike at the same time for the first time in over 60 years Disney CEO Bob Iger giving Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav a chase for who the worst studio executive is. If you would have asked someone a week ago, they probably would have said Zaslav. But after this week, in which Bob Iger got a brand new contract, and then the day next day goes on CNBC and says that writers and actors have unreasonable wage expectations, I think people will say he's the bigger asshole now. Iger, who makes $27 million a year, and now, because of his new contract, will make even more money, is lecturing other people about unreasonable compensation demands.
1: Yeah. uh, Bob Iger. Uh, I'm trying to come up with something that uh, rhymes with Iger. Uh, I hope you get eaten by a tiger. Fuck. I was about to go there. You beat me to it. Bob Iger, we're throwing your ass to the tiger. There we go. Uh, a lot of love for Fran Drescher, by the way, yesterday.
0: Yes, yes. And she had been facing some criticism. She was a bit non committal about actors going on strike in support of the writers a few months ago. A few days ago, she was in Italy, like at some party or fashion show like, why are you in Italy? Shouldn't you be getting ready to go on strike here? But she's come out swinging and immediately called for that strike. The strike is underway. And she had some pretty strong words for the studio executives who've brought us to this point.
1: Well, I will say um, perhaps people could have had a little more faith in Fran. Um, My wife uh was a big fan of the nanny back in the day and she uh showed me the episode where the nanny whose name she was Fran in the show, right? I was don't know. Isn't she I don't know? Anyway, but I know the
0: clip you're talking about, yeah.
1: The eponymous nanny <laughs> refuses to uh cross a picket line. Yeah. So you know, she's she's been fairly consistent on that. Don't ask me about her views on Israel, (laughs) but (laughs) in her lane as a a labor leader. Okay.
0: Yeah, and writers who've now been on strike for more than 70 days have actually seen their wages go down by like 25% over the last decade as a result of the new streaming business model. And again, Iger who owns a fucking yacht and is worth upwards of $700 million and again, makes $25 million a year. He doesn't lay out what he thinks a reasonable expectation is. I mean, I guess the studios have put forward their proposals, which are absurd and would still leave writers exploited. But we're not talking about people who've been living high off the hog here. They've actually, if, Imagine if your wages had gone down 25% over the last decade. And mine have. I mean... (laughs) I was going to say, imagine? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I have. But, you know, in an industry-wide, like, that's a pretty... It's a pretty compelling argument at the bargaining table.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially, like, you know, we're talking about an industry here that is not going away. Like, people are always going to demand entertainment, video, you know, whatever. People are always going to be needed to write this stuff and to act this stuff. So, uh, Bob Iger, fuck you.
0: Garbage cannon number two, save another fuck you to UPS. The company could be at the table negotiating a fair new labor agreement with their workers, 340,000 of them rep by the Teamsters. Instead, the company's training scabs in anticipation of a strike. This is from Bloomberg, quote, United Parcel Service plans to train non-union employees to help deliver packages in the event of a labor disruption in the U.S., underscoring the potential for a strike as a crucial negotiating deadline nears. That deadline is the end of the month. And I don't see any way out of this at this point. It looks like there's going to be a strike. So you've got 170,000 actors and writers on strike. In a few weeks, you could have 340,000. Teamsters UPS workers on strike. In a few months, you could have a bunch of UAW workers on strike when their auto contracts expire. This is a pretty significant strike wave that for a while you've been seeing strike numbers that don't compare with historical numbers. These ones do. These are massive strikes happening this summer.
1: Yeah, it is a strike way. I, I will say that um, even if we exceed the number, not to be a wet blanket here, even if the number of workers on strike uh, gets close to 1946 um, levels, the the percentage of, <laughs> of the labor force um, that was involved in action then was obviously much higher now but we got to start somewhere obviously and uh, let's fucking rock
0: garbage candidate number three it's Joe Manchin who is planning to sink the Sue nomination Julie Sue currently the acting Secretary of Labor was previously the Deputy Secretary of Labor is now acting because the Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh left for his dream job as the president of the Hockey Players Union. Manchin saying he will not vote to confirm Sue says he has concerns about her ideology. This is just a few years after Manchin did vote to confirm Sue as deputy labor secretary. Not sure what he means by ideology, but he's probably referring to the fact that Sue will, in many ways, run the department in the way that Jennifer Abruzzo is running the general counsel's office at the NLRB. Sue does support things like granting labor rights to independent contractors and ensuring that corporations uh, pay any sort of fines with labor violations committed by their franchise owners. She's heavily her nomination's heavily opposed by the Chamber of Commerce and the Business Lobby. So that is the reason why Manchin is coming out. And with Cinema likely opposed to her as well, that's the lights out for her nomination. Joe Manchin probably also still mad about the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which a federal judge earlier this week halted construction on it. Again, this a three mile portion of it pending a review of how the Interior Department approved the permit. Well, Joe
1: Manchin, he also, uh, he famously uh, opposed a the $15 an hour minimum wage, federal minimum wage, and that would cost his own business uh, some money. So, I mean there are many reasons why Joe Manchin is, is getting mad about Julie Sue and uh, his own net worth. I think has to be considered as one of
0: them as it does with most of the decisions that Joe Manchin makes in Congress.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he, he makes money off of coal, like off of the dirtiest type of coal. So, uh,
0: Yeah, just, just, oh, man. (laughs) Garbage cannon number four. It's RFK Jr. back again. He went on Jordan Peterson's show to talk about how climate change is being used for mind control and said that the free market will fix it. Check out this exchange between these two titans of ass hattery.
1: I've seen the climate apocalypse use fear to induce something approximating the same kind of level of tyranny, as far as I'm concerned, that characterized the vaccine lockdown. So help me sort that out. First of all, let me just say this about climate. I believe that carbon in the atmosphere and and methane does increase warm. I agree 100% with you that this crisis is being used as a pretext for clamping down totalitarian controls the same way that the COVID crisis was. And it's the same people. It's intelligence agencies. It's the World Economic Forum. It's the Billionaire's Voice Club at Davos. And it's the same kind of cabal of of people who who will use every crisis to stratify society toward, you know, greater power for the super rich and uh, greater power for the military, greater power for the intelligence apparatus and less power for everybody else. A war on carbon is not going to solve the problem if we don't have a habitat left and my approach to energy is using free markets and not top-down control
0: so on the most significant issue facing humanity rfk jr is basically mitch mcconnell well yeah i mean he he's he's got to be a republican
1: because the only logical conclusion of this is that he ends up trump's running
0: mate probably Garbage candidate number five, it's Shake Shack founder Danny Meyer. Come on, dude. He went on CNBC and just screwed over his workers and lots of other people in the service industry. He was asked how much should people tip? Because, you know, you go and you get a coffee or something and they spin the thing around and ask if you want to tip. Well... Meyer is like, you don't have to tip anything. You shouldn't have to tip at all. He says, quote, if you're just taking out food and it was just a transaction, I give you money, you give me a cup of coffee. I don't think there's any obligation to tip whatsoever. I mean, look, if people don't want to tip, they don't want to, you know, they're not going to tip. But why give the green light to people to not tip when it's your own workers who are going to get screwed by that? Yeah, I mean
1: technically that he he's he's sort of right in that tipping should not be a thing, but it should not be a thing because people like him should pay
0: their workers enough to fucking reproduce themselves. Yeah, which which he's not doing. So uh, there's this massive tax that's paid on to the consumers to help to help our fellow working class people in the service industry make ends meet. I mean, I feel like that when i tip a lot is i tip because i know these people are struggling as well so and i can afford it at this moment so i'll i'll tip but the funny thing is this interview happened on CNBC and you really had people like Andrew Ross Sorkin begging Danny Meyer to say that he doesn't need to tip because he was like bringing up the question in an annoyed fashion like oh you go all these places and you got to tip 30% it's like no you don't have to tip 30% dude relax but Meyer made him feel at ease by saying he, he doesn't have to tip finally garbage candidate number six it's, it's Elon Musk this is our weekly update on the hell site Musk is now just giving his Nazi friends and the Krasensteins money on Twitter, like pretty significant amounts of money, thousands of dollars. This is related to what Musk promised like a year ago that verified users will get a cut of ad revenue from the site. And then he never mentioned it again. And then people were like, when am I going to get money from ad revenue? And. He dodged the questions and then out of nowhere all these Nazis popped up like Tim Poole talking about, oh wow, thanks Elon for all this money. And I've seen a lot of other people post that they had applied to get in this program and they didn't hear back from anybody at the company. They don't know how to qualify for this program. So it really looks like Twitter just paid some of Elon's buds money to vouch for some sort of ad revenue sharing program that doesn't actually exist. Which is probably something the FTC will be looking into at some point. Yeah. Um the funny thing about well, there are two funny things
1: about this. The first is that Cat Turd 2 did not get any money, and he he is very salty about this. <laughs> Um, he seems to be the only reactionary dipshit who hasn't come out better from Elon. And it's entirely because of his own like paranoid rantings. He's like, oh, I'm still being throttled under Elon. Elon, you're not doing anything. <laughs> Elon's like, looking into this, looking into this, looking into this, and he's still just like, he he keeps biting the hand that feeds him. So Musk turns around and gives everyone else money, but Cat turned too. Uh, that's hilarious. The other thing that's funny about this is that the Elon Musk is refusing to pay rent, <laughs> like he's refusing uh, as CEO of Twitter to pay rent on uh, the commercial office space. So it's already pretty funny that the landlords are getting fucked over. Although, you know, like it's Elon, it's not for the the right reasons. And then imagine being one of these uh, property management companies and seeing that money that should be going to you is going to Ian Miles Chong instead.
0: (laughs) Well, Elon clarified the rules here and said that the... Money allocated is based on not how many Twitter users see an ad underneath your post, because that system could be gamed easy by bots, he said. It's based on how many other blue check marks see the ad. So (laughs) blue checkies are paying for a blue check, which then counts them as some sort of drone, which will help money. Partially, their money be redistributed to other blue check marks on the site. So, you're not really paying to help Elon Musk run Twitter. You're helping to, again, subsidize Ian Miles Strong and Tim Pool, which I'm guessing a lot of these blue check marks would be just fine with. I hate the fact that I now say blue check marks like people used to say it back in the day when it was meaningless, but now it actually means something. These blue checkies. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, now it is definitely, like,
1: it does describe, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's an
0: appropriate derogatory term now. The other thing about this, which is probably the most important, whatever ad companies are still considering using Twitter will probably jump ship when they realize that the money they spend to advertise on Twitter goes to Nazis on the website,
1: yeah I mean it's it
0: that is possible
1: although you know
0: capitalism
1: uh, loves a bit of Nazis <laughs> they love a bit of
0: Nazism they just don't like the paper trail that much true all right, who's going in the garbage can this week
1: mm, I, I, I'm stumped what what do you say? I'm leaning toward either Hollywood studio execs
0: or UPS. Um, I think we need to throw the Hollywood studio executives in. We'll have a chance to when the UPS strike kicks off, but uh, especially Bob Iger this week, although he was a rich dick, Bob Iger, but we're going broader here. Hollywood, Hollywood studio executives, executives, you, you are, are going, going in, in the garbage, garbage can.
1: can. Oh, Oh, somehow we managed to... Uh, turn every marvel movie into a lump of shit uh, which actually didn't take a lot of work because it was pretty much there already and now you're going in
0: and we turn the new jim caviezel movie into a puddle of vomit which also wasn't very hard work so that's in the garbage can too you're slipping and sliding in it that's the show thank you for listening thanks for your support We'll do this again next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C. so you don't have to be.